And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is filmmaker Murdo McLeod from Scotland. He's a graduate of digital film and TV at the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama. He's been a filmmaker for about 15 years. He's a Christian. And Murdo, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. My pleasure to be with you. Now, you've just produced a film not long ago about the life of John Knox. We're very interested in that and his influence on Scotland, uh, interested in his theology and how he affected the country. Uh, but before we get to that part of the discussion, I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners what you do as a filmmaker and what does your typical day look like? Well, I guess there's no such thing as a typical day with a filmmaker. It, it varies hugely depending on what part of the process you're working on. Uh, whether that's developing a concept or then planning and pre-production, once you're actually shooting it, it can be a very intense day. And then you have the time of post-production or editing and then marketing and distribution. And each one of these phases is an entirely different workflow. In a larger organization, they would all be handled by different people. But uh, because Trinity Digital is really just myself, uh, each one of these phases is is done by me and uh, therefore... I don't have a very ordinary day. Each one is entirely a new kettle of fish. Mm. Well, I can imagine. It's a, quite a variety, very diverse work. Um, it reminds me of uh, really running a small business where you don't have the luxury of a lot of people to handle different parts of the work. And so it's, it's, it's hard to juggle all those balls up in the air at one time, it seems. It can be. You have to be very uh, dedicated, very diligent, uh, um, and also very organized, because if, if something gets missed out uh, and then you turn up on the day of the shoot and you suddenly realize that something's not in place, uh, you can find that your whole shoot day has to be canceled, and uh, that's time and money. So That's right. Uh, speaking of the funding for something like this, uh, here you are, you're a smaller filmmaker, and yet um, there's very real costs on the ground when you're shooting a film or planning for it, all of that. How do you support a film like Knox? Well, it's been a very interesting journey uh, in terms of the fundraising part of this. I first came up with a budget, uh, a range of budgets, uh, ranging from about 20000 to 60000 depending on what level of um, production value the finished film would have. And I approached a a businessman here in Scotland, a Christian, uh, a multimillionaire, and uh, he uh, was very supportive of the project. And he said, I will fund the entire thing, £60,000, no problems. And I was like, wow, this is this sounds pretty good. Uh, so let's get started. So I got the first installment, uh, which was really just uh, uh, to get me going, 2500 And um, all was going well. We were a couple of days away from the first day of shooting. And I went back to him asking for the second installment, uh, only to be told... Uh, that the film was getting put on ice, in his words, that uh, he didn't really uh, feel that he could support it any longer. And he had a number of reasons for that. But um, that left me in a very great quandary. Should I uh, pursue the film without any money, essentially, or should I simply say, oh, well, lesson learned, we'll take the 2,500 that we've still got, we'll salvage what we can and share it among the people that have had to take time out of work uh, to get involved in this. And, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a difficult time. I was praying about it, thinking about it. And God 
I think, spoke to me very clearly through two or three different parts of the Bible that I was coming to in my typical day-by-day devotions to persuade me very clearly to continue with the work and to push ahead. And so we began a fundraising campaign at the same time as the shoot, and the two things were running simultaneously. And we ended up um, with the money coming in just at the right time that we needed it, all the way through. It was funded through donations, through a bit of crowdfunding, through some trust funds, and we managed to raise not quite the full 60000 but we raised £30,000 throughout the uh, production process. And we've never once been at the situation where we've had to delay production due to lack of funds, although we've never had more than, you know, one or two thousand in the bank at any one time. So we've never been rich, but we've never been bankrupt either. Mm. God has kept us on the right path. Well, the Lord provided your needs in just the nick of time, um, but it, it requires on your part, I'm sure, a certain patience and trust, and uh, it, it has to be a little bit nerve-wracking at times. Well, it is, yes. I mean, it's, uh, strangely, I felt quite peace about it. Uh, I think because I'd had so clear uh, messages and direction from God at the beginning, I, I, I did feel that God would provide. I was quite confident about that. And so I just, you know, continued along at the at the right pace for it, and the money was coming in. I, I guess I didn't really go through a huge amount of period of doubt that God wanted me to complete the film. I, I just felt uh, from from the time that I got such clear messages, that it was it was a case that I was supposed to complete this film, that God had a purpose for it. Mm. So, for me, the interesting question now is, well, what is the purpose that God wanted this film to be made for? Yeah, really. Well, let's talk a little bit about the film. This is about the uh, Scottish clergyman, theologian, writer, by the name of John Knox. Um, he certainly was a leader of the Protestant Reformation uh, in that area of the world. Um, can you tell us about the man and his influence on Scotland? Well, John Knox is legendary in Scottish Christian circles. Uh, when I was growing up, there was a, a picture of him on the wall above our dining room table. and He's got a ferociously long beard and these enormous eyebrows, and he glowers around the place at everybody, certainly if his portraits are to be believed. And... Uh, is a very intimidating presence, but he was always part of my early life, uh, this this uh, stern, scowling figure. <laughs> and uh, he was a very interesting character from a very early early day. Uh, but I have to confess, I didn't know a huge amount about him. And so when I discovered on Facebook that it was his 500th anniversary, uh, I thought, well, this is something that deserves to be celebrated. Maybe the BBC is going to be making a documentary or something. So I got in touch with the BBC to find out if they were doing anything, uh, and it turned out that the, that they weren't. They were just going to let the, ref, uh, the the anniversary pass them by. And so I thought, well, maybe something does have to be done. And that was where the idea came to me originally. But as to John Knox himself, he had a very interesting and adventurous life. And it was when I was reading through the Wikipedia article, and that was where I started my research, that I thought to myself, you know, that this story would make a very good film. There's a lot of action and adventure. Uh, there's there's a lot of drama that goes on right from the beginning to the end of this man's life. And the impact that he has on Scotland is huge. It, it's difficult to 
uh, overestimated that Scotland goes from being a bastion of Catholicism to possibly one of the most Protestant countries in Europe. And it, the Reformation, it has been said, was one of the later ones in Europe, but it was also one of the most thorough in the terms of the whole of national life and private life. There was a real power in the Reformation in Scotland, such that you ended up with a, a country that was very evangelical and very much used by God in later centuries as the missionary movement took off from Scotland and went all across the world. That's neat, too, the fact that um, it didn't just stay there. It wasn't an ingrown movement, but God used it to reach out to other spheres, to other parts of the world. Yes, it's very interesting that uh, you find knocks all across the world mentioned in you know, in the names of high schools and seminaries, and uh, even, I believe, there's a town called Knoxville. So uh, there's Knox uh, is everywhere. As uh, one of the guys in our film says, wherever Presbyterianism is, Knox is there. And uh, it is, I think, uh, an indication of just how strong an impact this one man has had on the entire country and beyond in terms of giving a Christian example and making Christ at the very center of national life. Yeah, that's really the bottom line of Reformation, and in the spirit of the Reformation, is it's very Christ-focused, how that God is the first mover in our salvation, how he keeps us, uh, even the affecting worship, so that he's He's the one that is um, is worshipped and adored in the worship services, and and I'm sure you came across that as you studied this man's life. Absolutely, uh, Knox had a very uh, Christ-centered view of worship. That uh, I think if Knox was around today, he would be able to identify that in certain circles of the church that there is a thinking about worship which is us-centered. And we think that when we're singing songs, we're uh, focusing in on some truth to get our hearts right. And it all feels about us and what effect it's having on us. And even to an extent, what kind of songs we sing and how much we enjoy singing one type of music against another. And for Knox, none of that is important. What's important is, is Christ being honored or is he not? Are we worshipping in spirit and in truth or are we worshipping as we see fit? which he would have termed as idolatry. Uh, and he, he was incredibly strong on these sort of issues and came into conflict with uh, the Church of England, which he was uh, a vicar of at one point for quite a while, actually. And uh, while he was there, there were many times that he was uh, getting in trouble with the bishops and so on for certain of his opinions, which he would uh, put across incredibly forcefully. Uh, one of these was he believed that uh, people should not kneel to receive the Lord's Supper, uh, which was the tradition at the time. And uh, he, he got very, very passionate about this and delivered a sermon in front of the King of England denouncing kneeling at the, at the Lord's Supper. As a result of this, the, uh, the Book of Common Prayer became amended with uh, what is known as the Black Rubric, which was inserted into the Book of Common Prayer to say that uh, although people would kneel at the Lord's Supper, they didn't intend any worship in the kneeling. Yes. And so... Knox had these impacts all across, uh, not just within Presbyterianism, but within Anglicanism as well. 
And um, in his history, um, he then moves to Geneva. Absolutely, yes. It was in Geneva that Knox met uh, John Calvin, who became, well, at the time he was the foremost reformer and became the biggest influence, I would say, on Knox's theological life. Uh, Knox looked up to Calvin in many ways. It wasn't that he entirely agreed with him in all things. He sometimes would, he was a bit of a hot-headed kind of man, and he would sometimes do things that Calvin was entirely embarrassed by, but uh, that was that was Knox. He, he would look up to Calvin, but he, would, he had a tendency to go a bit further than Calvin would want him to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, he then uh, ultimately leaves Geneva, and where does he go then? Well, he spends a few months in Frankfurt, uh, which is one of the things that we follow in the film. He, he's in Frankfurt for a few months, uh, but after he comes back to Geneva, he then returns to Scotland. Uh, and it's there that he finally takes on uh, the, the challenge of Catholicism in Scotland and leads the Reformers to ultimate victory in Scotland as Catholicism is defeated and Protestantism takes its place as the national religion. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a that's a huge change for a country. It is, and it's it's. Uh, I guess from our perspective, where we're all used to religion being a sort of a private thing, and the concept of separation between church and state, um, taken by some to mean separation between religion and and state, which yes. uh, arguably it wasn't in the past, but uh, in these days. Religion was so highly tied up with national life and the state life that the the Church of Scotland was instituted by a decree of Parliament. The Confession of Faith that Knox wrote had to be uh, signed off by Parliament to say that it was acceptable or not, and uh, they they gave a huge majority vote in favour of it. And so the Scots Confession, as it was known, uh, has come down to us as one of the one of the main confessions of the time. Uh, but uh, even to the extent that uh, when the Reformation was victorious, Catholicism was banned, and anybody found practicing it was, after a couple of warnings, to be executed. Wow. And this was the extent that uh, the Reformation uh, had in public life. And some people would uh, say it's strange that nobody was executed despite this uh, this thing coming forward. But uh, the Reformation was surprisingly bloodless in Scotland, in comparison to England, for example, where there were many martyrs and many, well, several people were put to death, both by Protestants and by Catholics. Whereas in Scotland, there were a much fewer number. And as I understand it, there were no Catholics were actually put to death at all during the time of the Scottish Reformation, except in battle. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that the Reformers are so interested in establishing confessions of faith. At first, it, you know, it feels like, it may feel like to a listener, oh, I'm not interested in that. But uh, truth be known, we all have confessions of faith, and maybe we don't, maybe we're not inclined to pen them down or make them transparent for others to see. I see it as really positive things where you're being very honest, you're saying, this is this is what we believe about the Trinity. This is what we believe about uh, salvation. Whatever I see it as a real positive thing. I, I agree. It was uh, 
something I tried myself um, a while ago, a few years ago. I thought, I'm going to write down what my confession of faith <laughs> is, because I had gr- grown up with the Westminster Confession, and yet I didn't agree with everything it said. And so mm-hmm. I thought, you know what, I'm going to make my own. So uh, <laughs> perhaps with a degree of audacity, I began the process and uh, wrote several pages of paper that I uh, turned out and... Uh, Arguably, you could debate and argue every fine point of it, but I, th- I think there's there's an element within the church today which says, you know, we're all going to disagree on these issues. It really doesn't matter what you believe, whether you believe this or whether you believe that. We're all Christians. Let's get along together. That's fine insofar as it goes, but it has the tendency to produce people that do not know what they believe. Yeah. And if you press them on an issue, they'll just say, well, it's not important. Whereas in past generations it would have been considered so important that uh, people would have been excommunicated on the point. Uh, and while I'm not saying that Christian unity is not important, it is. It's very important. But at the same time, I think it's also very important for us to know what we believe on issues that we may disagree with others on. It's. I think it's very important to have a personal faith that goes deeper than what you might say is the lowest common denominator concept where, you know, you you define Christianity simply on the basics of what does every Christian in the world agree on, that your faith, I think, needs to go deeper than that and really come down to to study the, the, the arguments that Christians have had over the years and to say, well, what do I think about that? Because anything to do with Christianity and anything to do with Christ is vital for us. It's more important than knowing, you know, what, what, whether about the, the latest uh, physics advance or chemical advance or what's happening in astronomy these days, to understand better who Christ is and what we understand when we say Christ and uh, when we talk about his sacrifice. These things are so, so important. And I think there is a danger of, of saying, well, it doesn't matter, we're all going to disagree, let's just not air our opinions, Not let's not even think through our opinions. And we end up with a very shallow form of Christianity. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And um, also what happens is um, churches that shy away from having a, uh, a robust confession, uh, they really have uh, oftentimes secret, kind of secrets that you, it takes a long time to discover what they really believe about things. And so, uh, bottom line, everybody's got a confession. Now, today we're talking with Murdo McLeod. He's a filmmaker from Scotland, and he's um, produced the film. What's the name of the film? Knox? Yes, absolutely. The name is simply Knox. We, uh, we wanted to go for something that was memorable and uh, fairly quick to say, and uh, there's few things quicker to say than the word Knox. <laughs> it's certainly uh, simple, and for those who are not familiar with this man, it's spelled K-N-O-X. Um, suppose someone's listening and they would like to view the film, obtain it. How would they go about doing that, Murdo? Well, they can go to the website www.trinitydigitalfilm.com. That's trinitydigitalfilm.com forward slash Knox, K-N-O-X. And there they'll be able to view the trailer or purchase the DVD. Okay, very good. And um, by the way, you're in Scotland. Whereabouts are you in Scotland? I'm based in Glasgow in Scotland, but originally I'm from the Isle of Skye in the Hebrides in the northwest. Okay. 
Anything else you want to share with our listeners about uh, what you do? Maybe other films that you produced, uh, having a Christian theme or whatever? Well, sure. Uh, Trinity Digital is aimed to provide video resources for churches. Uh, I think being a failure on the part of the church and Christians in the last century and, and more, perhaps, to fully engage with the arts and with film and I think that this is a, a weakness, uh, a potential weakness in the church's uh, strategy, that film is an incredibly powerful resource and a tool for getting the message of the gospel put across. And uh, at Trinity Digital, the idea is to be able to supply resources for the church, to be able to to engage with film in a, in a particular way. So we would provide uh, short films with accompanying Bible studies for small groups and so on to go through as an as a introduction to a study. Uh, we would also um, do films such as Knox. And then thirdly, we would also provide uh, what we're calling template films, which is we would personalize a pre-existing film with the church details at the end of it. So the church can put it on their website with their own details as part of the film, but they wouldn't have to pay the full price of actually getting the film produced. They would pay a much smaller price and there they've got their own personalized film. So uh, we're really just there to provide resources. Um, and then, in addition to that, I'll also be looking to see what the other big projects are going to be following on from Knox. Mm. Well, this is wonderful. Um, love to see uh, Christians who love God's Word and really take it seriously uh, get involved in the arts. I'm not involved in the arts, other than, you know, the radio station is a form of media, certainly, but we really admire those who get involved in music and film and that sort of thing. It's it's a very important aspect of life. Suppose a young person listening today uh, is inclined to get involved in film or filmmaking. Any guidelines you might share with them, things to avoid, things to pursue type of thing? I think that one of the things to avoid is simply sitting on, on, on if I may say so, your backside and doing little. Uh, everybody's got an iPhone these days or some other camera phone, you can easily go out and try. And once you go out and try, uh, you can see what works and what doesn't work for you. So like any other art form, if you want to do it, just do it. Simply try it and see see if it works for you. But also, at a Christian point of view, think about it from the position of what is my outlook on life and how is that different from other people's? And how will this film that I'm hoping to make, how does it reflect my view of the world? It doesn't have to say everything that you believe. I think a lot of so-called Christian films fall into that trap and become uh, very uh, evangelistic in a a bad way, perhaps, Mm -hmm. because they cram so much stuff into the film that it ceases to become a film and becomes a lecture of sorts. Uh, So don't feel that you have to cram everything into your film, but just take one thing that you think about, that you actually believe, and make that the center of your film. Every film carries a message. So make sure that your message, that the message you want to tell, is a message that is true to what you believe, and and that includes what you believe about God, and and life, and the universe, and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, that's excellent. Well, um, today we're talking with Murdo McLeod uh, from Scotland. He's a filmmaker. Uh, he's produced the film Knox, 
and uh, I hope to get a copy myself. Um, he shared with us his website. It's trinitydigitalfilm.com, and you can find out more about the film Knox just by putting a forward slash Knox, and I see you have like a like a short video there that describes the film and a, a way to order the film. So um, thank you very much, Murdo McLeod, for joining us today. And uh, any prayer requests that you may have for our listeners to remember you and in, in your work uh, there as a filmmaker? Well, I would pray to be upheld as a filmmaker because there's a lot of temptations either to... Uh, to compromise on one hand or on the other and either end up producing stuff that is irrelevant to the main market or stuff that is a watered-down Christianity that ends up being no Christianity at all. So I would pray that I would be able to be producing clearly Christian films that have an appeal to people who are not Christians. That's really where I want to be. Mm. And... uh, while Knox is particularly geared towards a Christian audience, I want ultimately to be making films that are for the mainstream, but that clearly carry the Christian message. So uh, if there is a prayer request, it would be that, that I would be able to get to that point, mm. be able to link up with other Christian filmmakers who feel the same, so that we can uh, we can produce an alternative to the Hollywood mainstream yes. that is still viewed by the mainstream. Yes, it's a wonderful vision that you have, Murdo, and a very sincere prayer request, and I hope and pray that our listeners will remember you before God's throne of mercy, that he will bless your work and, and cause it to, to thrive. Well, thanks very much for having me on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Well, thank you, Murdo McLeod. It's our pleasure to have you on today. And uh, again, uh, dear listener, if you'd like to learn more about his work, Just go to trinitydigitalfilm.com. Murdo, may God bless you, brother. And you too, sir. Dear listener, please join us next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.